Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. So glad that all of you could join us. Good morning, child of Elohim and Megan and Lewis and Martha, Edgar, Ken. Great to have you back with us. Hey, Ron and Teresa. So glad you could join us. So we are in Romans chapter six and uh, yesterday was fun. We are not going to get distracted. <laughs> now that was worth the time. Uh, and we will, uh, we'll maybe come back and do a series on baptism down the road or something. Uh, I'm just going to say this in a recap to yesterday, uh, a recap of my position. I may not persuade you. You don't have to agree with me. That's fine. But my view is whenever you see the word baptism, unless the text demands a different meaning, you should think water baptism. I'm persuaded that is the most common use. That's what everyone would have understood. I think when the Romans received this letter and they saw baptism, they would have assumed water baptism. I think the other places where it talks about baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit, it specifies that because that's a, a strange and odd use of baptism. Everywhere else, I think it's water. All right, so we're not going to have that debate today, uh, but that's where I'm coming from. We're going to dig into chapter six. Hey, hey good morning, Sandy. Uh, taco Tuesday. Ooh, I could use a taco. All right. Uh, Ken says, I'm ready to get baptized in this text. Very good. Mighty Monkey is back for more. Excellent. Jordan is here. He's the one that started this whole baptism thing, so blame him. Now, it's a great question, and it's important to get into. All right, we are moving on. Back to chapter six. So what I hope you didn't do in the midst of all that discussion about baptism is miss the significance of what the apostle Paul was teaching. So let's go back and look at it. Chapter six, verse one. Ah, after I have a sip of delicious goodness. Okay. What then? Therefore, what? What will we say? What will we say in response to what he just said? Will we continue in sin that grace may abound? We saw this yesterday. Paul said just back a couple verses that the law came in so that the offense might abound. Everyone is judged guilty in Adam, and we are going to die because of that. Then the law came in to make more sin. And we're going to see this explicitly stated in chapter 7. God gave the law to the Jews, and it caused them to sin more. We'll look at that when we get there, but that's what it says. But where sin abounded, grace hyperabounded. That even as sin reigned in death. So now there's sin, sin reigns, death reigns, everything, everyone sins, everyone's dying. So also grace may reign through righteousness to continuous life or eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What do we say to these things? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So God gives the law so the Jews will sin more. And 
Grace hyperabounded in the response to that. So let's go sin as much as we can so that God can pour out more and more grace, right? Let it not be. May it never be. Meganoito is the Greek. Absolutamente no for Edgar. Absolutely not. No way. No how. That is not how to do this. Now, remember I said this yesterday. You might expect Paul to say, absolutely not. We must not sin more so that grace may abound because that would be presuming on God's grace or that would be displeasing to God or sin is always sin or something like that. That is not what he says. What he says is, we who died to sin, how will we still live in it? The reason we cannot continue in sin so that grace may abound is because we died to sin. Do you see how dramatically different that is from saying something like, no, that would be presuming upon God's grace? He is taking this a totally different way. No, no, you can't continue in sin. Why? You died to sin. And if that's true, how will we still live in it? You see how he's asking this rhetorical question that he's not saying we shouldn't. He's saying we can't. We are dead to sin. Now, yesterday I, I started to introduce this, uh, this concept of realm and and admittedly, that word is not in the text anywhere here. I'm just, as I try to capture and, and articulate uh, for myself and for you what Paul's getting at, this is, this is how I visualize it, okay? So that, that's what I mean. Um, think about whatever, you know, I've, we got people in here from Canada, from uh, UK, from America. We've got people all over the place. So we'll take, uh, we'll take one of our Canadian uh, brothers, Ken, right? You're in, uh, you're in Canada. So if Ken lives in Canada, as he does, and he dies, then is he still living in Canada? No, of course not, right? He doesn't live in that realm anymore. He's dead. He doesn't live there. Well, that's the kind of imagery Paul's using here. We died, we who died to sin. That was the realm we used to live in, was sin. If we're dead to it, how can we still live in it? It's a rhetorical question demanding the response. We can't. We cannot still live in it. Are you ignorant? Maybe you don't know this. That we, as many as were immersed into Christ Jesus, baptized into Christ Jesus, we were immersed into his death. Because you ask the question, wait a minute, what do you mean we died to sin? Well, if you're baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. We were buried together then with him. So you died with Christ? You were buried with him through the immersion into death. Jesus died and was buried, so did you die and were buried. That even as Christ was raised up out of the dead or the corpses through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. Let me go on and I'll recap. For if we have become planted together, 
to the likeness of his death. And I pointed this out yesterday. That word likeness is so important. We have not actually died physically. Jesus died physically. We have not died physically, but we've been planted together to the likeness of his death. There is a likeness between his physical death and whatever death he's talking about for us, our death to sin, right? If that's true, we also will be of the resurrection. We will we are planted together with him to the likeness and also of his resurrection. So there is a likeness between his death and our death, between his resurrection and ours. Tracking with me? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So we have been crucified with Christ. We have died with Christ. We've been buried with Christ and we have been resurrected with Christ. All right. So he introduces this concept of the the old man and body of sin. And then he makes verse seven, a statement here that's very interesting. Now, depending on where you're coming from and how many commentaries and theologians you've read, you've got your presupposition of what the old man is that you are bringing to this text. And I want to encourage you, as I always do, be careful about that. Ken says, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. Is there anything in this text about kingdom? Dale says, in America, we can vote even if we've died and left the realm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very good. See, that's what I'm warning you about, Ken. Don't bring other texts in here. Let's stick to this text. He, he introduces this idea of old man. So I want to show you a statement he's going to make here in a few verses, verse 19. He made a... Uh, no, child of Elohim, nothing about carnal and sin, man. Hold on, just just hold on. He's, he's going to say something in verse 19, very similar to what he said in chapter 3. He said, I speak in a human way. I speak of the way of men here. And do you remember, we looked at this. Uh, he, sorry, I'm looking at your comments here. I'm thinking realm, kingdom. Uh, maybe, but he doesn't use the word here. I know, he doesn't use the word realm either. Uh, Cliff says when a Canadian dies, he goes to live in the U.S. All right, <laughs> you guys are great. You've had lots of coffee already. Uh, I speak in a human way. He said this in chapter three. I'm, I'm talking according to men. And there he he says, look, I'm I'm using sort of a human analogy. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing the way men argue to try to make a point. And a similar thing here, I speak in a human way because of the weakness of your flesh. And we'll, we'll come back and look at what that means down the road. Um, but here's, here's where he's going. Even as you presented your members, servants to the uncleanness and to the lawlessness, to the lawlessness, so now present your members, servants to righteousness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. He's going to go on and talk about how we are to present our bodies to righteousness not to sin, okay? 
So I think we need to let that inform how we interpret these things. He's not making a theological statement in the way we normally think of it. He is speaking, uh, using human illustrations. There is no real old man that was crucified. All of this is metaphorical likeness, right? You're not dead. You don't actually have an old man that was crucified. If you were crucified and dead, you wouldn't be reading this letter from Paul. (laughs) So he's making points here, and we need to figure out what the point is without taking it further than the text allows, okay? So if we've become planted together in the likeness of his death, if there is something like death that happened to us when we were baptized into Christ, there will be something like his resurrection that happens to us. And we know this, that there is also something like his crucifixion. There's this thing he's calling the old man that was crucified. And what is it? What, what's the net effect of that? And this is a hint clause again. Do you remember? Do you remember what a henna clause is? No, child of Elohim, the, the body of sin is not f- our flesh. Just hang on. What, what is a henna clause? It's a purpose clause. Here's the purpose. The purpose of all this, the old man being crucified, is that the body of sin may be made useless. For our no longer serving sin. So let's let's pick that apart for a moment. No longer is a word that indicates this is how things used to be, right? Well, how did things used to be? We used to serve sin. This is the word. Uh, from the from the word doulos, maybe some of you, some of you are familiar with that. Doulos, the noun is the slave. This is an infinitive. We were slaves. We served sin as slaves. We were slaves to sin. But that's not where we are any longer. We are no longer. Slaves to sin. So if we're going to talk realms, and and I see what you're getting at, uh, Ken, about kingdoms. Our previous master was sin. We used to serve master sin, and and I'm making that word up, but it, again, at least for me, it helps me. Like we were born, we, ooh, I. I went further than the text there. We used to be enslaved and in the jurisdiction or under the jurisdiction of master sin. We served master sin, but we don't do that any longer. Why? Because we have died to master sin. We were crucified. When we joined Christ, we were crucified with him. We're dead. So master sin is not our master any longer because we're dead. Right? If you live under the jurisdiction of a cruel master and you die, then that cruel master is no longer your master. 
the purpose of our being crucified with Christ was so the body of sin may be made useless. So we have a body, and this is not the same word as flesh. Flesh is sarx. This is soma. You get words like soma, uh, psychosomatic uh, and other soma words for body in the medical realm especially. The body of sin, which introduces this concept of sin, our body being described as a body of sin, by being crucified with Christ, that body of sin is made useless. And we are no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7 says, For he who has died has been set free from sin. Now this word has is not helpful. It's not in the Greek. I, I looked at several English versions. They all seem to have it. It's not what it says exactly. What it says is, he's referring now to the man. Okay, he's de- this verse 7 is describing man, the old man. What it says is, for he, the one who died, the man who died, that old man who died, has been justified from sin. Now, most of your translations also say free from sin. That is a very rare use of this term. It may be what Paul means. What I find difficult is, later on he's going to talk a lot about being free. Uh, You were freed from sin, like in verse 18. And he uses the normal Greek word for free. So if that's what he's talking about here in verse 7, why doesn't he use that same word? Why does he use the word that is almost everywhere else in the New Testament translated justified? It's been used several times already in Romans, and it's always translated justified, declared righteous. What, What would that mean? We know this, that our old man was crucified. For he, the old man, has, not has, he, the one who died... The old man who died has been declared righteous from sin. Do you see how that fits better with the context so far? So that old man is dead. You were crucified with Christ. And he, that old man that was crucified, he died. That old man has been justified from sin. So you have been declared righteous from sin. You're dead. And now, and again, this is all metaphorical. This is all speaking according to men. Obviously, you haven't actually died. You haven't actually been crucified. But when you're joined to Christ, his crucifixion becomes yours. You've been declared righteous from sin You don't live in the realm of sin anymore. Sin is not your master. So your body of sin is now useless. What all that means is you don't have to keep sinning. Which is the point he's going to make throughout the rest of the chapter. Where he's going with this is 
The truth is you died to the whole realm of sin. You're no longer under master sin. You're not a slave to sin. Your body, which has sinful desires, I think I can, I think we'll see that as we go, is under your control. And you're dead to that realm of sin. You're alive to righteousness, as he'll go on and say. That's an objective fact. You are dead to the realm of sin. So you can serve the Lord now. This is a very hopeful and wonderful passage. Uh, the MacArthur Sanctified Bible gets it right. What does it say? It says, uh, says justified in verse seven. Is that what you're saying, Dale? Acquitted. As long as we abide in the spirit of, where, where does it say that here? Elohim, child of Elohim. And if we died with Christ, which he said we have, right? So if we, if we die with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. So again, you're joined to Christ. He died, you died. He was buried, you buried. He rose, we will rise. Knowing that Christ, having been raised up out of the dead, dies no more. Right? He died. He rose again. No more death for Jesus. Death has no more lordship over him. Jesus took on humanity. And as he'll say in chapter 8, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And just like death reigned because of Adam, it reigned even over Jesus. But then Jesus came back to life and death lost its mastery, its lordship over him. For in that he died, he died to sin one time. Not died in sin, not died as a sinner. No, Jesus died to sin, to that realm of sin. In that he lives, he lives to God. So he died to that realm, but now he's alive to God. So also you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and living to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see the point he's making here. Jesus actually died, came back to life. He died to the realm of sin or in the realm of sin. Now he's alive to God or in the realm of, of God. And now because you joined him in that, metaphorically speaking, you should consider yourself, reckon yourself. You should think of yourself as dead to the realm of sin and alive to God, living to God in Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord. And he's going to go on through the rest of this chapter and stress this. You do not have to obey your sinful desires because you died and rose again 
in Christ. Uh, Dale says, it says justified has a footnote for acquitted. Good. I like justified better. MacArthur sanctified Bible. Ha ha. Yeah. All right. Is everybody, everybody tracking with this? This is, we're going to keep coming back to this because he's going to uh, lay out the implications of this in the next section. But do you see the text says this, this realm of sin and death where sin was your master, you have died to that realm. And because you are dead in Christ, you are not enslaved to master sin anymore. Does everybody see that point? Do you see that that's what the text is saying? I should ask that question. Give me some thumbs up, yeses, something. Do you see that? Hmm. I'm seeing nothing. Oh, there's some. There's a couple. Good. This is so important. Jordan said earlier that this raises some interesting uh, questions about chapter 7. Yes, it does. If you don't get this right, you can't understand chapter 7. Now, again, Paul's going to flesh out the implications of this. But just ponder this today. If sin used to be your master but sin is no longer your master if you used to be a citizen of this realm of sin where master sin reigned and ruled and the result of living in that realm was you're going to die but you have already died by being joined to Christ, think of the implications of that for your pursuit of righteousness. I'm just going to leave you with this, this statement right here. Your old man was crucified. That old person that you were What was the reason? So that your body of sin may be made useless. Not that your body will be made useless, but your body of sin for you, for our, no longer serving as a slave, serving sin. You are not a slave to sin. Think about the implications of that as you are tempted to sin today. Master sin is going to show up today and say, hey, I'm your master. Do this thing. Think this thought. Say these words that you shouldn't say. And you say, no, 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 no. I don't live in your realm anymore. You're not my master anymore. I am no longer your slave my body of sin is useless, so I will not obey you, Master Sin. Yeah, 
This is Great Hope, Jordan, and we're going to see it more and more as we go through chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8. Dale says, does body of sin refer to the sum collection of our sin or our sinful condemned body? Yeah, great question. Let's see if, uh, if we get any answers to that as we go through the text, okay? Because there's more that will give some uh, shape to that, I think. All right, we're going to call it there. Have a great day. Walk in righteousness. You are not under master sin. You're dead to that realm. And we'll see you tomorrow. Take care.